Electric Sports Talk, a podcast dedicated entirely to sports and only sports. Today, 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 we talk NASCAR. Now here are your hosts, Ty, Amos, and Chris. Alright, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. We're back talking NASCAR today. Uh, it's the week of Daytona 500, guys. How excited are we? Woohoo! NASCAR! Yeah. I, I got a I got ferret syndrome going on right now because the race is on behind on the TV behind Ty and I'm watching the race instead of listening to Ty. <laughs> yeah, I mean I know you're looking right over my shoulder. It's, it's hard Squirrel. to like, focus on me, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, all right, guys. So obviously lots to get to today. Uh, we're going to talk about the track itself at Daytona. Let you guys in on some details about the track. If you guys are new to NASCAR or whatever might be good to kind of familiarize yourself with the tracks and know what we're getting into. Uh, we'll talk about the duels, which will obviously be coming up a little later in the weekend, so our show might be out before then, or maybe you guys listen to the du- uh, listen to the show already and you want to watch the duels, so that'll come up. Uh, we'll talk about our expectations, and we'll make our picks for the Daytona 500. Uh, I'm pretty excited, guys. NASCAR's back. Like Chris said, we're watching The Clash. Uh, but first, I think we will want to take some well-deserved uh, a well-deserved time to talk about Dell Earnhardt uh, senior his the 20th anniversary of his death at Daytona in 2001 is coming up uh, February 18th so we're recording this a couple days early but we figured we'd talk about it and uh, I just kind of want to ask you guys because you've you've been around NASCAR a little longer than me uh, you guys have some more memories probably associated with Dell Earnhardt than I do because I never got to watch him race, like actually in person. I've only been able to see highlights and and pictures and everything. So, I wanted to start by just asking you guys, you know, what what are some of your guys' favorite memories with Dale Earnhardt uh, on the track? Well, I have two memories: him winning at Talladega the year before, and him dying the next year in the 500. I I would. My first full race I watched was October of 2000. Earnhardt come from 18th down with 10 to go, ended up passing his son, going on to win the race. And then at that time, that, that was this, they did not have NASCAR on mainstream, show, televising every race. So I watched that race. I was pretty excited knowing that the following year they were going to televise all 36 races starting with Fox and then going from there. I knew who Earnhardt was previously. Just I mean, who didn't know who the Intimidator was? And then, yeah, the next, the start of the following season, Daytona 500, Earnhardt's pushing his two cars, the 15 and the 8, Dale Jr. and Michael Waltrip to first and second. Ends up getting loose, wrecking in the, coming out of the turn four, hits the wall and, and, dies from his injuries so that's pretty much all i remember from dale mm-hmm. earnhardt but mm-hmm. uh chris you you've been around the sport much longer than than all of us like we've reiterated on the show many times so you probably remember all the way back to his his first cup series championship in in 1980 uh and everything he did leading up to the turn of the century uh pretty much so what are some of the moments you can think back of uh back on with dale earnhardt's career let me preface this by saying Dale Earnhardt was never my favorite driver for a lot of different reasons. And it was based primarily on all of the memories 
I remember about Dale Earnhardt. But yes, I do go back a long ways. <laughs> I remember him driving the Wrangler Chevrolet Monte Carlos. The number 15. Uh, when yeah. he won his first championship. I, the one memory that jumps out at me <laughs> every time I think about it, and, and it's what made Terry Labonte a, a really popular driver, <laughs> yep. was they were at, and, and I, I want to say it was Bristol, but it might have been Martinsville, but I think it, it was Bristol. Yeah, I'm pretty Bristol. sure it was Bristol. And, and Bristol back in the day was basically a freight train. I mean, you, you know, the, the groove was at the bottom of the track, mm. and you just went in line for 500 laps, you know, lap after lap in line. And the only way you really got around somebody was to spin them out. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I remember they were coming down. Oh, I, I think it might have been a lap or two from the checkered flag, but they were coming down to the win, and Terry Labonte was in front of Dale Earnhardt, mm-hmm. probably was going to win the race, and Dale, Her- Dale Earnhardt just he spun him out. <laughs> yep. Literally spun him out. Yep, and, I believe. And in the post-race, this is the thing I remember. Uh-huh. In the post-race... They asked Dell Earnhardt, they said, well, did you spin him out? And he said, darn right, I spun him out. I was going for the win. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think that was one of the few times, at least from what I've read and watched about stuff, that Dell Earnhardt was actually booed on a track. Oh, yeah. Straight up booed on a track. Yeah, uh, they they people were not happy about it because, you know, Terry Labonte was a he, – he was a popular driver. He drove for Hendrick Motorsports at the time. Mm-hmm. He was in the number five Kellogg's car. Oh, man. Trex just got punted into the wall coming out of the bus stop. <laughs> um, anyway, and yeah, I mean it. It and Bernhardt, he was he was blatant about it. You're darn right, I spun him out. You know, so yeah, man. I mean, Amos brought up earlier was the intimidator, and for good reason. Uh, I think we all know who Dale Earnhardt is, and even though I didn't get to watch him, I I still associate watching even today the number three with Dale Earnhardt. Like, it's just very iconic. Um, so yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, any other thoughts you guys want to share about Earnhardt's legacy? Obviously, Junior went on to kind of carry this this popular driver mantle after his death and was successful. Um, I mean, Earnhardt became your favorite driver as you kept watching NASCAR, Amos. Right. Well, I mean, everybody, I guess, ha- every sport has its bad boy or who they don't like or somebody to hate or cheer like either like chris said earlier either you either you loved Earnhardt or you hated Earnhardt. there was no in between you didn't mm. like you wanted him to win or you boot him like they are here in victory lane uh, bristol 99 when he <laughs> spun out terry labani but i mean that he was the face of nascar he and in many ways still shapes nascar mm. to this day yep. so you're always compared to Nas- to Earnhardt. you're your wins, your racing, how you race other people. Um, Earnhardt set the standard. I remember him being interviewed by Daryl Waltrip before the 2001 series. He signed a four-year, $40 million contract with Budweiser to bring his son into the Winston Cup Series. At that time, that was unheard of money, $10 million a year. Hmm. I mean – for basic and Earnhardt Jr. was a good driver in his own right, coming off of two Bush Series championships in his dad's equipment. But that kind of money, I mean, Earnhardt set the stage, in my opinion, for everything that's moved forward as a car owner, driver, to sponsors, and what people had to live up to. Mm-hmm. So, 
Well, and, and to, to spin off of what Amos is saying too, the unfortunate fact is, is that due to Earnhardt's death, um, that was really the motivation for NASCAR to get as safe as they are now. Yeah, we were I talking mean, about that a little bit earlier. Like, yeah, and and you brought uh -huh. up the fact about Ryan Newman's crash last year. Guaranteed that if that crash had happened before Earnhardt's death, it would have been a fatality. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, guaranteed. You know, it it was so sad what happened at the time, but his death really drove home a ton of innovation that that saved a lot of people's lives and made the sport as a whole safer. Yeah, and not really just did. NASCAR, like various other types of racing all across the spectrum. So it's it's pretty insane. Uh, Chris, the last question I want to ask you about this was, on the hierarchy of, of greatest, maybe not even NASCAR drivers, drivers in general, however you want to say it, where does Dale Earnhardt rank in your all-time category? I mean, well, the, one of the best to ever do it, right? As far as wins, mm -hmm. he's, I, I, he's down... You know, he's not in the top two. Let me just put it that way. As career wins, sure. Yeah, you know, that's that's far and away Richard Petty and then David Pearson would be second. Mm -hmm. And I, I think at one time Earnhardt was third, but I think he's been surpassed by several drivers since then. Mm -hmm. But one thing that he that to this point no one will ever eclipse him on is the number of championships he won. Now, having said that, I mean, there's only three guys that have won seven championships. Yep. And that would be Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, and Jimmy Johnson. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I don't see anybody eclipsing him. I, I just can't see it. The, the The sport is too hard to be dominant in. Yeah. Today, you know, the, there's several interesting things. So, when Jeff Gordon came in on the scene in in NASCAR, you know, they they Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon kind of had a feud. But the reality was, is Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt were actually really good friends off the track. Mm. It, uh, and that's a little known fact by a lot of people is, is really, they were good friends off the track. And basically it was like, okay, we have this on track rivalry because you're the, you know, you're the young gun coming down from the Northeast and, and yet they kind of coached each other. Well, I won't say they coached each other. Dell Earnhardt coached Jeff Gordon as to how to race in NASCAR. And and that's a little known fact by a lot of people, but it but it was out there. He was he was really a a complicated person, to mm -hmm. be honest with you. Dell Earnhardt was very complicated. Well, I I've heard some people that were like analysts or drivers back around when in the twilight of his career and they said the one of the things he hated the most in life was finishing second. Oh yeah, yeah. And absolutely. I think uh, I think it was very obvious with how he raced and how competitive he was that that was the case. Uh, Amos, you have you have where he ranks in career wins? Yeah, so he is eighth overall with seventy six wins. Mm -hmm. So I mean, obviously, Richard Petty is number one with two hundred career wins. I I don't know that that's ever gonna be. That's crazy. Surpassed in the modern age with the way things are going. But, I mean, like Chris brought up, Jeff Gordon, he had 93 wins. Yeah. And, honestly, I, I mean, Jeff Gordon was going to be a force to reckon with in NASCAR, but I wouldn't – I dare say without Dale Earnhardt, I don't think Jeff Gordon's the racer he was or the, the way NASCAR ended up for him. I mean, like Chris said, they weren't friends on the track, but I think there was a lot of – 
mentoring, well, they, tutoring, learning. You they know, were even business partners yeah. in a couple of things. I mean, like, it was a complicated relationship. Just really weird. I mean, you know, really complicated. Well, I think Earnhardt would have wrecked his son on the track if he could have won. So, Well, Earnhardt's <laughs> on record saying that he'd wreck his grandma if it meant the victory. Is that where you got that saying from? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're not first, you're... Yeah. You just will be last. Here's so. a, if you're second, you're the first loser. That was his attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, Earnhardt's so. legacy will live on for a long time, I think, and uh, a lot of us will continue to associate that three with one of the greatest of all time, guys. So I thought that was a good point to start out on. I guess I hadn't realized that it was going to be the 20th anniversary since this happened, and, man, it's crazy to think back on. Uh, well, I it, was I was two years old when that happened. It, so, it was yeah. so weird, too, because... Uh, my wife and I went to the Las Vegas race, which was the next race after Daytona. And it was just, it was almost surreal to go to that track because there was so much commemoration of Dale Earnhardt at that track. Yeah, I bet, they, there, I bet there was all season. They had actually closed a section of grandstand at Las Vegas Motor Speedway and had a huge number three on that section of grandstand, you know, at that race. I mean... It was that whole season was just weird, and then obviously in September of that year we had nine eleven. So you know it was it was a weird year. Yeah, it was a strange year all the way around. Yeah, I mean, lots of crazy stuff happened. So, all right, um, you guys want to move on? Talk about some of the car setups that have changed this year, if there's any. Well. I, I probably should take the lead on this a yeah, little bit I because done a lot of um, <laughs> I had done quite a bit of you know reading and, and research and and they the the original intention for uh, well okay let me back up a step the okay. Gen Five <laughs> car was supposed to be out this year twenty twenty one right okay well because of COVID and everything interrelated with that they weren't able to do the development on the car and keep it on track. Mm-hmm. But the original thought process was, okay, we can't introduce the Gen 5 car this year, but we can take certain aspects of the Gen 5 car and and put it on the current generation of race car and, and bring that out in 2021. Well, mm-hmm. again, apparently because of COVID and that sort of thing, they've even backed off on that. So basically, everything that I had read that they were going to implement onto this car, this year's car basically got put on hold Mm -hmm. so what are some of the broad like very general things not too in-depth on some stuff what are some of the broad things that were in the works for this year potentially but have all been pushed back well the primary thing that they were going to try and implement this year was was going to the bigger wheel and tire combination the 18 inch wheel and tire very cool which would have allowed them to put bigger brakes on the cars which would really be a benefit of the road courses yeah, because we've seen yeah. some brakes on fire tonight. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Blowing brakes. Yep. Yeah. And and then the other aspect of that, too, and in conjunction with that, they were going to get away with away from the five lug nuts and go to the single wheel nut. Mm, yeah. And I, which I'm I'm really interested to see how that works. Well, it's I think it's going to speed pit stops up immensely. Oh, yeah. I do, think you think, so. uh, do you think that there is a risk of safety with that at all? No. No. No, I yeah, I think that'll definitely cut down on loose wheels, well, penalty infractions. Well, like and that. the thing that you gotta remember is is that you got, you know, twenty lug nuts 
basically bouncing around on pit road, which uh, can every, which uh, can cause penalties. And, and those right? things yeah. are coming off. Well, not only penalties, but they can cause injury. Those things are coming off at a high rate of speed when they come out of that gun because the way the gun is set up, mm-hmm. it actually has a spring in the socket. So when they when they zip that lug nut off, it springs that lug nut out of the socket, so it's ready to go for the next lug nut. Yeah, and and you know that causes. I mean, people have gotten hurt just as a result of those lug nuts bouncing around on pit road. So you think safety might actually increase with the single lug nut design? I, I don't see a downside to it, yeah. personally. Yeah, I don't either. I think it'll be good. Cool. Uh, so is there anything else that's on the surface that we could talk about next year, potentially? Uh, or do you want to kind of wait till next year to go well, more in-depth on these one cars? Thing that I wa- one other thing that I want to mention, uh, other than the wheels and the brakes... Uh-huh. The, the new car will have independent rear suspension, which these cars have had basically a suspension system that was drawn from 1962 uh, GM trucks, which it's a truck arm uh-huh. uh, that goes back to a solid axle, and then they have a uh, uh, drag link, which basically locates the rear end in the in the car side to side. And they're going to get away from all that. They're going to go to an independent rear suspension, much like... Well, the car's going up and down the road today. Mm-hmm. So give us the the real dumbed-down version. I'm a little kid. Give me the, the reason why this will help in a, this will help the cars in a very basic sense. Well, it'll, it'll make tuning the cars much more much easier mm-hmm. in the sense that they'll be able to set them up with scales so that they're getting the same amount of ground pressure on each tire. At all four corners. Which so, so the setup will just be easier yeah, overall. Yeah. yeah. So how sense. much adjustment are they going to have during the race to be able to? Because you always hear them talk about um, adding wedge or uh, not wedge. Um, no wedge is right. Wedge, the sway bar, brake biased. Yeah. You know, is that going to factor into this new car? Uh, it still will. It'll still be a factor, um, and it'll be easier to adjust. It'll be more, well, it, it'll just be easier to do because they'll be able to put the adjustment into the suspension. So you'll see a lot of the same adjustments. But I think that what you're going to see is, is, you know, during the race, you're going to see the amount of adjustments go down because it's going to be able to, you're mm, going to be able okay. to put the track or the car set up for that track much more readily with the independent rear suspension. Cool. Yeah, I mean, and uh, you were talking a little bit how they're going to be putting more carbon fiber on the cars too, right? Yeah. So essentially the way it is now, the only thing that's carbon fiber on the cars at this point is the trunk lids. And, and the trunk lids are a NASCAR spec. They, they are basically provided from one manufacturer to all of the teams mm-hmm. so that they have a standardization. But on the new cars, they're going to go, and it's not carbon, well, yeah, it's kind of carbon fiber. It's a, it's a composite material. So they're going to get away from the steel body panels. Okay. And what that will do is it'll it'll create a couple of different things. The cars will be tougher in the sense that they can bounce off walls and each other with less damage than what they currently incur with the sheet metal cars. Right. But over and above that, it'll reduce the cost of the cars immensely because it won't be so expensive to hang the body panels and that sort of thing on the cars. Makes I mean, it makes tons of sense to me. So... Uh, a miss any broad overtake uh, broad views on the next gen car. I know you haven't dug as much into it as Chris. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't know as much about it. The, my things like uh, 
what I know the most of is the single wheel nut. They're going to move the cockpit, the driver's car, more to the center of the car. Yes. Which I'm really curious as to how you get in and out of the car and how that makes it safe for exiting the car in emergency or fire situation. I, they've talked a lot about putting a trap door in the roof, but okay, that's, that's basically worthless if they end up on their top. Sure. I, I don't think, when, when they say they're going to move the driver more to the center of the car, I don't think it's going to be like they're sitting in the center of the car. They're just going to move it away from yeah. the left side. And the side whole idea more. behind that is to reduce the chances of injury to the driver from a side impact. Right. Which they've already done in this generation of car. It's just I think it's going to be more enhanced. Sure. Than what it was. Well, now, now the, the, one thing I should mention too is those composite panels were used all through last year on the Xfinity cars. Mm. So that's not going to be a new untried technology either. So, Chris, thumbs up, thumbs down, or uh, in between with the, the new car that's going to come out? What do you think? I'm actually excited to see the new car. Cool. All right. Overall take is positive from Chris. That's good. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> cool. All right, guys. So we're watching the the clash finish up here. Uh, looks like well, Blaney, Ryan, Ryan yeah. Blaney has finally regained the lead. Mm -hmm. uh, Blaney's been racing good. It looks like Elliot had the lead for a little bit. Uh, any thoughts on the clash before we get into the 500 and the duels and such? NASCAR's future right there. I mean, Blaney, Elliot running one two, Logano's third. And Byron Kyle. sixth, Reddick's fifth. I, I, I noticed mean, you skipped over Bowman's Kyle seven. Bush. But yeah, but he's not the new guard. He's been around oh, okay. for right. almost as long as you have been. So, oh, well, pretty pretty great here too. I mean, we got Alex Jones, who we kind of me and Chris at least. Eric Jones. Uh, sorry, who did I say? Chris? Eric Alex Jones. Alex Jones. Uh, I, was, I saw Bowman and then put the names right. together. You know? Yeah. Um. Anyways, so we got Jones in the forty three, and me and Amos have kind of a soft spot for him, and he's racing pretty good in this class race. So. so so I'm going to go way out on the limb right Ooh. here, right now. Uh huh. I think that the Richard Petty Motorsports number 43 car will perform at a level that it hasn't seen in many years this year, just by virtue of having uh, Eric Jones in the in the driver's seat. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it, and like I said, I think I've kind of developed a, a soft spot for Jones this year. So, um, all right, guys, I just kind of want to say. That all of us, except for me, have Blaney in the final four. Now I think I might have, should have maybe put him in my <laughs> final four. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> well, he looks good on the road course, but... Uh, well, but this is the thing, Ryan Blaney has found ways to look good on almost every track. And to me, it doesn't really seem like he has a strong track because he's just good everywhere. Yeah, he's just got to put it together this year and just kind of be more consistent like we talked in previous episodes. All right. Well, this is uh, this race is coming down wow, the end. Have you seen Elliot swallow him up going into that turn? I think we'll watch Ooh. the last of it, and then we'll come back and uh, maybe talk about a little bit about the finish. He got oh, he's going to take the inside. Oh, they, oh, oh you got to be kidding me. He pulled a Logano on him. But no, Kurt Busch is going to get the win. Kyle Busch is going to get the win. Oh, my gosh. Who saw that coming? All right, guys. Okay, we were just talking about how great the Bush class was. Uh, it sucks now. So. Oh, come on. Okay, Chris, what was that? Uh, Chase Elliott pulled a Joey Logano on Ryan Blaney. 
<laughs> and Kyle Busch snuck by and ended up winning the race. <sighs> well, um, I don't see the point in doing that. I mean, uh, is, is there, there's money on the line for this race, well, of course, right? The, he, yeah, I don't know. They're just racing hard, and I think... He got him right there. I think Blaney. Oh, did you see him? I think Blaney come back up. Well, no, well, but did you see him pop? Elliot did you see Elliot? Yeah, he popped off the curb, and it kind of yeah, it kind of contributed to him coming into to Blaney there. Elliot, hmm. okay, it, no. Well, Blaney, Blaney kind of came down into, into him. him. Now that I'm seeing it on a replay, I think I think honestly that's probably both drivers' faults. But I mean. That's young. They're racing for the win. This is money. Who sure, cares? it's money, and it's not points. So I guess you know this is the Youth race. Youth exuberance, right I there. Mean, um, Ryan yeah. probably won't, they won't be going out for beers after the race. I'm no, sure. He'll need oh to cool well, down, but I don't I, know. I'm sure they are pretty good friends. So we'll see. I'm All right, guys. So an overall interesting start of the season, I guess. Uh, yeah. Elliot picks up where he kind of left off in 2020 of being able to lose races at the very end, so that's interesting. Yeah, well, and, and Ryan Blaney had some help there, too, because he Well, was, yeah. Oh, Ryan so they Blaney's both, they both kind of pick up where they left off. Yeah, very exactly. Interesting. I mean, think about it. Ryan Blaney was running at the top of darn near every race until COVID hit at, yep. at spring, you know, last spring. and Yep, pretty much, right? <laughs> and <laughs> it's kind of the same thing, but... All right, well, look, I'm okay, because my driver won the race, so hey, yeah, we yeah, can well, move on now. Hey, my guy got to end up getting second, so I feel pretty good about it. Sorry over there, Amos. Actually, yeah, well, did we go one, two, three in this race, guys? Yeah, well, yeah, we Elliot one, two, Ener- I know why I went one. I don't third. know about the two, three All right, part, well, but. anyways, anyways. Uh, so let's let's break down, or let's get into the 500. Let's break down the track, guys, and then we'll talk a little bit about what we expect to see in the duels. Um, so... Amos, give us a breakdown of dimensions of Daytona, the banking, the size, you know, mileage-wise, everything like that. Okay, so just off the top of my head while I look for tra- uh, track specification, <laughs> it's a two-and-a-half-mile super speedway. It's like 36 degrees of banking in the corners. Um, I'll find the back stretch and the front stretch. Start-finish line is in the... Trioval. Uh, this is one of two tracks that NASCAR runs a restrictor plate, which basically means they install a. Chris, you might have to back me up on this. They install a restrictor plate in the carburetor. Well, they're not carbureted anymore. They're fuel injected. So how do they run the restrictor plate on this? Anyway, so they put a restrictor plate. They do have a restrictor. It plate restricts the horsepower, keeps them from hitting ungodly speeds in a stock car and <laughs> right. kind of bunches up the group and it makes for a lot of bumping and banging there's in this dra- uh, race they have the draft which they call basically is the way the air moves around the car so you want to stay tight you want to stay with other cars you mm-hmm. want to stay in the draft and uh yeah i mean basically that's it mm-hmm. uh chris what style of racing do we see at daytona well, basically bumper to bumper because the draft is everything for these cars in order for them to maintain speed. Now, I think this year, I, I vaguely recall that they are running more horsepower at Daytona than what they have in the past. In the past, because of the restriction plate, the, the engines have been governed out, for lack of a better word, to about four to 500 horsepower, maybe pushing six. And I think I heard today that they're actually going to uh, let them go up to 750 horsepower. And because of the fuel injection, it makes it a lot easier for NASCAR to uh, 
you know, monitor that fact on the limiting parts of, of the horsepower. So um, I think, actually, if they're allowed more horsepower, this may make for a better race mm -hmm. because that's the big problem with these cars. They get bunched up, and they, you know, one guy slips, mm. and you take out 20 cars. Very nice. And, and I'm hoping that doesn't happen this year, frankly. So, uh, Amos, what are, the, what are the characteristics of this race? Like, when I think of... Daytona. I'm going to watch the Daytona 500. What can I expect to to unfold during the race? Uh, what can I see in speeds on the track? What can I see with uh, drivers doing, trying to pass or or take leads or in pits? You know, what's an overall good strategy for a track like this? Well, there's the basic strategy is to stay out of the big one, which is usually a multi-car wreck. It can happen at any point. I mean, we've seen it happen on the first lap. Usually it's more towards the end where they're racing for position and the finish, somebody drives over their head, they cause a big wreck. Um, there's different strategies as far as through the race. There's a lot of guys that like to ride in the back of the pack, keep touch with the main pack, stay out of trouble. They feel like they can see what's developing in front of them better. They can stay out of the wreck, they have an easier time getting a handle for their car, um, getting off on and off of pit roads a little easier. Um, and then you've got your guys that are just very good at racing restrictor plate tracks, so they're going to run up front all the time. Mm -hmm. There'll be a lot of lead changes on the track, a lot of lead changes through pit stops um, that you will not see. you got to have a draft partner. you got to have at least two cars. A single car is going to lose the pack. They're going to get left behind. So, a uh, lot, but like Chris said, I mean, it's bumper to bumper for 160 laps. And you just, the big thing is you got to be running at the last, at the end of the race and put yourself in a position to make a push for the checker flag. So, Chris, many people refer to this track as, or this race, I guess, and the track too, as one of the, the greatest races of the whole season. It's it's often referred to as the Super Bowl after the Super Bowl, right? Because we see the NFL Super Bowl, and then we get Daytona 500. It's NASCAR Super Bowl. What about the Daytona 500 has made it the Super Bowl of NASCAR? It's the way that the whole race is structured and, and set up. You know, you, you have a qualifying structure in this race that is like no other race the entire season. You have... Uh, dual races to actually qualify to get into the to the 500 itself and I mean it carries a huge amount of prestige and really it can make or break your season mm, if you yeah. have a good result at Daytona you have a good chance of having a really good season throughout the year I mean I think the thing about it is is it's, it's just holds so much prestige you Tons, know, yeah. To to win the five hundred, and and I'm sitting here looking at race records, and you know most victories is Richard Petty with seven. Can mm. you imagine winning the Daytona five hundred seven times? Insane. Yeah. And uh, quick side note: How many were they racing on dirt when he was winning the majority of those? Do you think? No, the majority of those. Well, he won in sixty four, which was on the pavement. Mm. He won in sixty six, which was on the pavement. So basically all of his victories have been on the super super speedway as Very it currently nice. exists. Cool. All right. Uh, so that's kind of all the questions I have for you guys. Is there any broad 
general things that we didn't talk about that you want to talk about with the track or what surrounds the race, anything like that? I think just one thing to kind of expand on, Chris, is talk about why Daytona is the Super Bowl. Daytona was the birthplace of racing for NASCAR. Mm. I mean, it literally started on Daytona Beach. Right. They, they would, made a track on the beach. Yeah, and they would yeah, race yeah. on the beaches. Yeah, like, so literally. And, and that's where they did the banking. That's where they... That's what they raced. So it's it's literally the home of racing. It's the world center of racing. So it's right. your and it, and obviously that it has evolved over the years as technology's improved. You know, obviously they built the track. It's paved. It's two and a half miles. The speeds increase, so they restrict your plate. But it's 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 weird that the Super Bowl of the race is the first race of the year. But that's just kind of how NASCAR structured it. Basically, you know, they have to race in certain areas due to weather and stuff. Right. But, yeah, I mean, it's the epicenter of stock car racing to a degree, racing in general. So that's why it's the Super Bowl. Well, and think about uh, think about the prestige with winning the Daytona 500. When, when people talk about you, they say Daytona 500 winner in year XXXX, right? Correct. Like, People talk about Denny Hamlin. He hasn't won a championship yet, right? But we refer to him as three-time Daytona 500 champion, exactly. Denny Hamlin. Yeah. Like, it is, it is a title that, that sticks with you forever. And some of the all-time greatest drivers win this race, and it goes on their resume. And some some drivers that are great never win this race. Exactly. Yeah, yeah like I was going to say, it took Earnhardt 20-something tries uh, before yeah. he yeah, won. The, I mean, he had won duels. He'd won qualifying. He'd won the Bush Clash. The Clash. He's won at the the July race. He won every race at Daytona. The most wins at Daytona of all types of racing. Took him twenty years just to get to five hundred. So it's crazy. And I mean, and that's what you remember. That's one of his greatest accomplishments. He was a seven-time series champion. Had eighty-three NASCAR wins. But the one you talk about is the ninety-eight Daytona five hundred. Big deal. So, yeah. That's a big deal. Well, some things that, that leap out at me that probably ought to be mentioned, too, and maybe this is why it's considered the Super Bowl. You know, you have – it's a two-and-a-half-mile track. It's got 31-degree bank turns. Mm-hmm. I mean, the turns are so steep that you can – you know, it's all you can do to walk up them. I saw a video of a guy uh, walking up the banking, and, like, it looked like he was climbing up a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Easily. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're, you're like, sideways in that car going around the turns. Like, you were, like... <laughs> right. Yep. It's a crazy degree. Well, and there's a lake in the infield. Yeah. That's 44 acres, and the reason that lake is there is because that's where all the dirt was dug out to build the banking. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and isn't isn't Daytona, they say it's big enough to land planes in, the infield, too? Well, when uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, and maybe they did it with Donald Trump, too, but w- when Ronald Reagan attended the race, mm. which was Richard Petty's last victory, they actually landed Air Force One on the backstretch <laughs> <Wow. laughs> of, of that track. Now, th- there was an airport out there, mm-hmm. or there is an airport tied into Daytona International Speedway, but they actually landed Air Force One on on the backstretch of the track. Uh, insane. So it's a massive track. It's and it's, for all these reasons we've mentioned, with the prestige being like one of the birthplaces of racing, uh, the size, like I just said, it's it's the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. it's one of the most viewed events in NASCAR all season as well. Well, and it, 
it and the Indianapolis 500, you know, basically put the most fans in the seats mm-hmm. uh, in normal times. Um, I mean, just the whole aspect of this thing. You know, it's the first race of the season. It's in February. Everybody else is snowed in and living in the frozen <laughs> tundra up north. And yep. You know, and it just gives people a chance to, you know, to get out and. It, so if you guys are more F1 fans or whatever, Daytona 500 is almost like the Monaco race in F1, right? Like that is the level that the 500s on is. Monaco is this huge spectacle, and it's a very cool track very unique and everything that goes with it and to win monaco and f1 is like you're a monaco champion right it's a big deal you jump in the in the water after and everything so the daytona 500 is really the same equivalent to the f1 as monaco is oh yeah so yeah absolutely the prestige around this is insane so all right guys i think we're going to a break unless there's anything else you guys have to say no yeah we're good no i think we're good i mean i could go on all night about daytona yeah no, I know, I know. You know. Uh, so when we come back, we're going to talk about our expectations for the duels. Uh, if you guys kind of forgot about what the duels are or, or how they work, we'll kind of talk about that a little bit again. And then we'll talk about our expectations for the 500 and then make our picks. And then we got a fun game that I'm going to introduce on the show that we'll play all season long. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy it because... I'm the host, it's my game, and you guys get a play. So, <laughs> All right, we'll take but a break. But in order to participate, uh-huh. you're going to have to start emailing us. No, no, you guys, like no, you I know, too. We, we'll, have, oh. we'll let the fans, you know. It's a good idea. They All reach right. out to us, we'll let them participate too. Yeah, I got a good way to tie this in with, with uh, our listeners. So, All right, we're going to go to a break, guys, and uh, we'll come right back and talk all about it. Okay. Break. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're tuned in to Electric Sports Talk. Today we're talking NASCAR. Just finished up watching The Clash. Kyle Busch did come away with the win in that race. Boom. Go, Kyle. Yeah, Elliot pretty much took out Blaney or vice versa. Anyways, those two were in first and second, and they got tangled up coming out of that uh, chicane to no. the finish. And Elliot did a Logano on, well, on Blaney. I don't know. It was hard to really tell what happened there. Uh, but yeah, anyways, your 2021 class champion is Kyle Busch. So I did say on our preview shows that I think Kyle Busch is going to have a rebound of a season. And I think, well, it is just one race and it's a short race. I will stand by my decision. Uh, and I'm a little, I'm a little more confident about it too (laughs) all right guys uh if you guys enjoy what we do here you want to get in touch with us just follow our content or whatever uh you can find us on instagram and twitter our our handles are electric sports talk or you can email us and uh, tell us what you guys want us to talk about some of your opinions some questions anything you guys would be interested on hearing hearing about during the shows or whatever i mean i'll i'll send you an email back you know even if we don't talk about it on the show. Uh, so, yeah, get in touch with us. The email is electrosportstalk at gmail.com. Love to hear from you guys. Uh, and, yeah, we'll tie it into the game we're going to play coming up a little later on. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a it's gonna be a fun game. I, I think it's going to make you guys think. So I'm excited. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so let's talk about the duels. The duels are Thursday. They're going to be on FS1. Uh, there are implications on on qualifying essentially for the duels, right? Yes. So the duels are important and I think it's it's 
fun because it's a different, it's totally different than a lot of qualifying routines that we see, or we might not see much qualifying this year, but we usually see during the year. Uh, so Amos, just a quick refresher for people out there. What is the significance of winning the duels? And there are two duels, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So we got to have a, we got to back up just a little bit. So they'll do single car qualifying before they do the duels. The fastest two times are locked on the front row for the Daytona 500, regardless of where they finish in the duels. So then that sets up the duels. So it's the pole qualifier in the number one position, P1, and then every odd number after that are in one duel. Outside pole sitter, P2, and every even qualifier are in the other dual race. So the two fastest times also participate in the duels. Yes, correct. But in yeah. separate duels. Exactly. So like one, three, five, seven, et cetera, et cetera, is in one, two, correct. four, six, eight, is in the second. Correct. Okay. And and you want to be on the track as much as you can during Daytona. The draft's important. you got to know what your car's going to do with other people. So that's the reason that they do race, that they want to race. You need to have track time. So then we run the dual races. They're usually 125 miles, so you're running 50, 60 laps, somewhere in there. Um, Regardless of where the P1, P2 qualifier finish in the duels, they're still pole and outside pole. Then how you finish in each dual race is how you start the Daytona 500. So if you win the race, either dual race, you're going to start third or fourth, and then it just breaks up going back all the way to the last place finishers of each duel are 39th and 40th. So it, obviously qualifying is important. You want to start at the front of the field. Um, the races are kind of exciting because, I mean, even though you are racing for position, you don't want to bang up your car. It's still a considered a win at Daytona. So you want to win the duels. So there's not... Nobody's laying off. Nobody's just kind of out there smelling the roses. They're racing. They want to win. This is bragging rights, and you need the best possible qualifying position to start the race and pit selection. I mean, there's a number of reasons you want to win the race. Okay. It's my turn. Well, yeah. I mean, if you want to go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so what is significant about this year as opposed to past years is we have 45 44 entries this year. Four cars are going to get bumped. Okay, so there's cars that have... uh, I'm struggling for the word here. Non-charters? Non-charters, right. Mm, Okay, yeah. Okay, so non-charter cars will be the ones that get bumped. But some of those non-charter cars are the... Yeah, well, yeah. Maybe. Maybe, (laughs) yeah, exactly. But the non-charter cars, some of those non-charter cars this year particularly have ties to big-time teams like Penske yes, and like Hendrick. Yes. And so it kind of – it's it's more critical this year that some of the non-charter cars actually make the race because sponsorship is going to be, you know, easily more easily obtained if they're in the 500 mm-hmm. g- going th- throughout the year. Now, I, we, I saw a video today – you know, there's uh, a couple of drivers that, that they don't think have a very good chance of getting in. You know, Quinn Hoff, Cody Ware, Timmy Hill. But that one's a weird one because he was actually in the race last year. 
Yeah, he was. So he actually has more experience than those other guys. Uh, Austin Sendrick is a possibility for getting pumped, and he bumped, and he's tied into Penske Motorsports in a big way. And I hadn't made the connection. I guess it's my age or whatever. But Tim Sendrick, who is Austin Sendrick's dad, is a big mover and shaker at Penske Motorsports. So, I mean, this... Well, that kind of explains some stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. This tie-in is huge, and mm-hmm. so he's got a lot riding on getting in this race. Interesting. So, so Chris, but you, you bring up the fact that there's there's 44 cars. Is that an unusual number? Is that high? Well, it, it's it's high in light of what's been going on the last several years since they started the charters. Mm, okay. Prior to that, I mean... I, I don't know how many have actually tried to get in the race in years past. That are non-chartered? That, well, they didn't have the charter until last, what, three years, four years, whatever. But, I mean, I, I'm sure that at some point in time there were probably 60 or 65 cars entered in the Daytona 500. And back then they were only taking 43. And is this sometime before the recession or just before the charters? Uh, before the charters, mm-hmm. uh, even during the recession, you know there was there were filled and and at that time they were still fielding forty three cars, mm-hmm. but even during the recession, you know there were forty six, forty seven cars showing up. So is is this a trend? Are we going to start to see more and more teams trying to break into NASCAR without charters? Or are we going to see more cars, uh, more teams potentially trying to get charters to get in? Could we see expanded number of charters? Well. I don't know if NASCAR is willing to go to the point of expanding charters at this point. Mm-hmm. I think because, I mean, they've reduced the field from 43 to 40 uh, because they weren't getting enough entries. I mean, when you get away from the Daytona 500, there were some races prior to the charters starting up where they only had 36 or 37 cars show up. And is that that's money, right? Like the, yeah. the prize money is not as much at other races. Well, yeah, it's nowhere near. Mm-hmm. My mind gets boggled sometimes, but I think... There were years uh, when cars would show up to the Daytona 500. They would qualify, start the race, finish dead last, and still get $250,000, you know, because there's that kind of money floating around the Daytona 500. It's a lot of money, man. Yeah. I mean, that can float your team for... Well, it could float your team for half a season, really. Yeah, that's that's a crazy amount of money. So, Uh, Amos, what what do you expect to see in the duels? I mean, do we? Are you are you willing to make a prediction on some some people that end up in the front of the duels or win the duels? Uh, any expectations for the duels themselves? Well, I think a lot of what you're going to see in the duels, you'll see in the race. I think those drivers that have figured out the draft to a degree have a race set up built for super speedways. Will be your movers and shakers in the race. It's not ind- if you win a dual race. It's not indicative that you're going to win the 500, but that's going to tell you that you have a strong car. You don't have a lot that you have to work on. That there's, I'm not going to go out and make huge predictions on say, you know, Austin Cendrick wins a dual race and starts <laughs> third in the 500. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, it for sure could happen. I mean, he's racing for Penske. They have a strong super speedway program, but I think in this race, you can be the most experienced driver you got to be experienced you got to be in good equipment and that in this race in the duels in the 500 count for a lot so you can be austin cedric in a great car great program 
but still wreck half the field and or yourself leading the race. You you know, you don't even have to if you're leading the race, obviously you're gonna take everybody out. So um it it's not super, super indicative because it's like I said, half the field. So what there's forty four cars entered, so you got about twenty two cars. Um racing in the full forty car pack is a lot different. It's gonna be one of the first times they're gonna be on track as a group. They don't do a lot of group racing during qual or uh well practice. They're usually break it up a little bit. All right, Chris, uh, let's go with some predictions now. I know this is this is one of the harder things to pick in, in probably the whole season because we don't know how guys will break out into what, what duel, right? Like you could pick two winners uh, for the two duels and they could end up in the same duel. Uh, so let's give me your, your duel one prediction for duel one winner. Well, I don't know who's in it, so I can't really predict it. But I will say this. Cars that are non-chartered. Uh-huh are going to be doing everything they can to race to the front and stay in the front. So, you know, pick out the drivers that don't have a charter, and those are the guys to watch because they're going to be out there. Mm. Literally, they have nothing to lose right. by throwing it all the way in the duels. And and there's some rank rookies that are in it this year. Noah Gregson, you know, jumps to, to mind. Mm-hmm. He could potentially crash everybody in the whole damn field in an effort to try to qualify. All right, uh, Amos, do you want to make any predictions on dual winners? Sure, why not? My prediction is that uh, Kyle Busch wrecks half the field. No, no, <laughs> winners. from the rear of the field. <laughs> well, obviously, by saying that, he's not going to win, <laughs> right? Okay, so is, he's is done. There, is there um, some historical precedence behind that? No, I just oh, don't like okay, Kyle okay. Busch. Okay. So. You're just doing it to get um, under my skin. Well, I think – I don't know that I'll necessarily pick a – driver per se but i think that you're gonna see uh hendrick motorsports and penske them two will be the teams that are dueling for wins in each duel and possibly single car qualifying on wednesday that's my prediction all right all right so no specific names i'm, no, I'm good with i mean that. i don't you know i don't want to narrow it down to just anybody because I mean, anything can happen when you're racing at Daytona, but, I mean, historically speaking, Hendrick races well. I mean, Joe Gibbs, one driver of Joe Gibbs races well at Daytona, so he can't really lump the team in there. Uh, Penske does pretty well, so it'll – but, I mean, they've – Well, Penske's, yeah. Penske's got such a strategy on these bigger tracks where all three of them <laughs> tend to be right around each other, grouping up and, and racing together, so – uh, I think there's definitely a strategy there with the Penske cars. Um, all right, guys, but let's talk about the race, the 500 itself. Uh, what are your expectations for the actual race? We kind of broke down the track, some things that we can expect to see during the race and, and so on and so forth. But what do we expect to happen in this race this year? I mean, is there going to be any surprises? Is there going to be some weird people starting on the pole that we wouldn't expect? I mean, uh, when's the big wreck going to happen? Uh, anything like that? Uh, the big wreck could happen any time from the second lap to the end. Okay. And now the reason I say that is 
is because it usually takes them a full lap or a lap and a half to get up to full speed because of the restrictions they put on the horsepower of the cars. What's the earliest big one you've seen? Lap one. Yeah. Uh, oh, they've wrecked that early? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah they, just because they're getting up to <laughs> speed. I mean, they're still... I don't, I don't know. The style of racing anymore is so aggressive that, and track position's important. And on a restart, it's no different than any other track where you're mm-hmm. right there. So if you can get a jump, I mean, go for it. So, right. I mean, your definition of the big one is at Daytona is different than your other tracks. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you could, you want one car in the third position, brake checks, and it's a chain reaction. And, <laughs> You're gonna take out everybody going back mm-hmm. at that point. So, all right. Uh, any other expectations for you, Chris, for well, the race? I, I just look. I, I don't think they're gonna play it conservative this year like they have in the past. I think the guys. Oh, they're from, gonna be gunning for it. Well, huh? I think the guys from the big teams are gonna be trying to stay out in front and and literally dominate the race the entire race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the idea of of holding back and trying to conserve your equipment and that sort of thing, I think they kind of proved that that's really not a, uh, a good strategy for winning the race. Mm-hmm. So, and Amos cited two teams. I'm going to throw a third in there. I think Joe Gibbs Racing will be... So basically, you have Chevy, Ford, and Toyota. But I think any <laughs> one of... Well, yeah. but I think any one of those three teams could potentially dominate this race. I mean, Denny Hamlin's won the thing a number of times. Three times. Three times. So That's right. And that's a Joe Gibbs car. That's so right. I, I, you know, I, I think, now this is just brainstorming, I think you're going to see a kind of a different race than you've seen in years past. Uh, are you guys going to favor the youth or the more experienced drivers in this race? Do we think Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, Cole Custer, those style of drivers will perform well? Or do you think it's going to be Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, guys like that up in the front leading and potentially winning the majority of this race? Well, I know Brad Keselowski has tried all all the different strategies. You know, run up front, stay back, the whole bit. He's crashed out every time, you know. So, well, I mean, it's just the way it goes, you know. Yep. And it's, it's no fault of his because usually when he gets taken out, it's because somebody else helped That's him. the majority of the time, right? Yeah. So I, that's why I say I think the strategy this year is going to be, you know, get out in front and just make everybody else catch me. All right. Youth or experience for you, Amos? So I think it's probably going to be experience that usually what wins out, race strategy, staying out of trouble. But it's very limited in the experience aspect of it also because you've got guys that just flat out don't race well at 500 at the 500 or on super speedways i mean kevin harvick's dominated on almost every track nascar has but he's just not a great super speedway racer um there yeah i mean you know and we see the most random we see some of the most random people win the 500 too yeah like sometimes this is their only career win sometimes this is like the only win they have all season yep it's just so strange on this track well and the thing about the daytona 500 too is is you can be running 20th with two laps to go and win the race. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Because of the draft and, you know, just how things shake out. So mm, I agree. You know, and it's, it's kind of funny because my wife and I will sit down and we'll watch the race together, you know, and she has her favorite drivers and she'll go, oh, man, he's, he's leading the race. And I said, yeah, but by the end he might be 25th. Yeah, there's always shuffling in yeah. races like this, right? Like, Oh, yeah, big time it, shuffling. It, there's not 
at least I don't I don't think there's not a lot of guys that lead like huge numbers of laps like on some tracks we see right like no. sometimes drivers will get out in front and they'll be out in front all day but it seems like on these big super speedways there's a lot of shuffling lots of guys in the front leading laps well, pit strategy changes and puts guys out in front all the and, time in the last few years I've seen guys you know leading at the end literally running away mm. and the draft will catch him up and they'll get punted I yep. mean they end up either not finishing or finishing really poorly. Yeah. And and we've seen it the last three or four years, you know, quite significantly. Yeah, so. I agree. Uh, anything else to add, guys? Or do you want to make some picks? For the 500? Yep, we're going to – you good? You want to go to the picks? <sighs> yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. to. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so since we didn't want to predict anything with the duels, give me your pole sitter for the 500. Chris, we'll start with you. Pole setter. Okay. Um, Alec Bowman. Alec Bowman. Mm-hmm. Now, is there... He'll be on the pole, and... Uh... Uh, you don't have to give me the second t- uh, the second guy. Uh, I just want to okay. know your reasoning behind this. Well, Sounds like you got a conspiracy brewing. I don't have a conspiracy brewing. Uh, okay, I, okay. I, I just <laughs> think that, that, you know, Hendrick Motorsports has performed well at Daytona historically he's he's in a new team essentially he's in the number 48 car uh I I just think that he's going to be able to put on put that car on the pole all right well and Hendrick does they typically qualify very well in the 500 so uh I'm going to go with I'm also going to go with the Hendrick driver and I think I'll go with Ryan Blaney Blaney's not a Hendrick driver he's a Penske driver. sorry I'm going to go with the Penske driver. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Penske driver, and I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney. I don't, anyways, <laughs> I nice. knew what I was trying to say. It did not come out like I knew like what I, I was yeah. thinking. <laughs> it just didn't come out of my mouth like but I wanted mouth to. My didn't work it out. <laughs> All right, Amos, your, right. your pole sitter. So a historic side note. Well, not historic, but uh, the last eight Bud Pole or uh, qualifying winners at Daytona have been of Chevrolet. So I I didn't make a good pick. (laughs) I will stay in the Chevrolet camp, and I'm going to just go with somebody. I'm going to stay in Hendrick Motorsports, but I'm going to go with Kyle Larson. Mm. Hey, actually, I think that's – yeah. I've seen this batted around, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Okay, I think your picks are good with the Hendrick – style after hearing your stat i have a little doubts about about my penske pick well now. <laughs> ryan blaney he'll be there it'll be he may not qualify on the pole but he'll be there at the end of the race all right we'll have to see uh okay let's go with the the winners of the super bowl of nascar guys uh chris we'll start again with you on this one who is gonna be the 2021 daytona 500 champion i just have to pull somebody out of thin air I, it's kind of not a bad choice if you just go with someone random because you never know who's going to win this race. Well, I'm going to play off of what Amos said, and I'm going to go with Kyle Larson. So he wins his first race back after mm-hmm. reinstatement, huh? Yep. All right. Interesting storyline. Okay. Um, oh, I guess I'm next. I was, I was about to say Amos, but okay. So I'm also going to go with someone kind of out of nowhere. Um, and this is probably, like, a terrible choice, uh, but I'm actually going to go with the number 19, Truex. Mm, I don't mind that nice. pick. I, th- I don't know if he's won it before, but I feel like... I don't think he's I just won. feel like it's going to be one of those random 
type of winners where he's up in the front for a majority of the race and then he and then he wins wins it late so I'm all over the place. I got a. I'm like. I think I Hendrick's gonna do great, but I got a Penske car on the pole, and then I got a Joe Gibbs car winning the race. Yeah. Well, figure figure that out. It, it's probably as well <laughs> thought out and as organized as the actual race will be. <laughs> it's kind of true, uh, Amos. Okay, so I am gonna go with a little bit of probably a dark horse. I'm gonna say Eric Amarillo wins. Eric Amarillo. I would oh. love this. I would love this hey. if he actually yeah. won. Not a bad pick. I mean, really? we were talking on the preview shows that race is good at super speedways. He does. Well, he races good everywhere. He yeah. just he just can't win races. So yeah. Yep. yeah, I mean, that's what we were talking about. That he just can't win races. So, all right, guys, uh, how comfortable do we feel with our picks? I, you know, <laughs> it's Daytona. It's the it's opening 40 race. Forty cars and yeah. fifty laps. I mean, <laughs> you know, get back to me Sunday night after okay. the race yeah. is over. All right. Uh, is, is there anything else to say, guys, before we get on to our game? Our, our game game is, I don't know what, I don't have a name for it yet, so I'll, I'll come up with one. Well, I, I do have one thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So name the cars that don't have a charter. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And then of those cars, we pick out which ones make the race. Make the race? Yeah, make the oh. race. Oh. Um, now, how many cars would we pick, though, in this in this list? Well, there's there's going to be four that aren't going to make it. Well, let's see. There'll be four that do make it. Excuse me. Okay, so there there are eight non-chartered cars. Right. We got the 62 with Noah Grasson. Okay. Uh, he doesn't make it. 36 with David Reagan. I'm going to say he makes it. And, and I have a reason for this is he has raced in the 500 in the past. Uh-huh. He's run at the front of the pack in the 500 at the past. Who doesn't? Past. Well, no. But he actually, I can't remember if it was the 400 or the 500, but he actually was actually won the race for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. But NASCAR ruled that he went below the yellow line. Ooh. So I'm going to go with David Reagan making the race. All right. And he races for Front Row Motorsports. So, yeah. yeah. And they've won the race before. Uh, the number 96, Ty Dillon. This is a Toyota car. That's a tough one. I mean,. They, the Gone Brothers racing with yeah, Suarez I, didn't do terrible last year, so you'd think that I they say could. Makes it. I think you'll make it. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. All right. Uh, Kulag racing the 16 Chevy with Kaz Grollo. Garla, but uh, he doesn't make it. All right. JTG Daughtery racing number 37 Chevy, Ryan Priest. Uh, he makes it. I mean, the fact that this isn't even a chartered car is pretty crazy to me. Yeah, I, yeah, I would say he's probably a pretty good chance I'll, to make I'll, it. I'll go with that one too. How All many right. we got now that have made it? Uh, well, you guys have got three, three. So all right, so we have we through. have three more. We've only got okay. We got three more. We got two MBM Motorsports cars. The number thirteen, which I was not really aware that the thirteen would be running at all. So this is this this kind of news for me. Uh, the 13 Ford Garrett Smithley and the number 66 Ford Timmy Hill. And then you got the Team Penske car, number 33 Ford with Austin Sendrick. So out of those three, who would be the your one choice to get in? <clears throat> Garrett say, Smithley, Timmy Hill, or Austin Sendrick? I say Austin Sendrick. I'm going to go with Austin Sendrick too because I think that's, of those three, I think that's going to be the stoutest car. The car probably right. Yeah, I think Timmy Hill is also a good shout too because he's got well, the he experience the ra- factor. Right, he was in the race last year. All right, cool. So. Okay, guys, so that's our thoughts. Uh, we'll have to see if 
who does make the what uncharted cars do make the race. So, all right, guys, let's get to my game. Did you write these down? I wrote it down. It's it's all right here. See, I had to hide it from you on our rundown here, though. So. Oh, oh okay. Oh, don't look. Amos is trying to look oh, over here. <laughs> all right, guys. Laptops, tablets, closed, everything oh, away. On. No phones, no nothing. This is not fair. This is all about... You're relying on my feeble memory to play this game. No, no. Phones away, Amos. Phones away. <laughs> all right, guys. So... This is a best of five series. So first one to three is crowned our champion, all right? And you, and you get the title of of whatever. <laughs> uh, the electric sports talk. Something. Wiener. Uh, whoa. <laughs> whoa, okay. Uh, I'll come up with the name for this. But anyways, you guys will get the point of the game uh, once we start playing. The basic idea, though, is I'm going to give you a year. Uh, and I'm going to give you some clues, and you have to name me the winner of this race from the year that I give you. Ooh. Make sense? It so, makes for sense. example, if I wanted to say I uh, I won this race in 2020, right? So last year, uh, I Denny Hamlin, right? Okay. So <laughs> if you know it though, will you do just I get to you'll just say it? it. So the way we're going to do this is we're going to. Uh, well, your driver won the race tonight, so you get to go first. We'll alternate. Oh, Chris, boy. you'll go first, and then Amos. So the basic idea is that I'll give Chris a clue are first. You, are you going to run a timer on this? Uh, maybe a little, but I can edit stuff too, okay. so it don't matter. I'm going to give you the first clue, okay. right? And then after the first clue, it goes to Amos, and we'll alternate back and forth, but you get the first crack at it. So get the, you get the point of the basic game. Yeah. You get the driver, you get the point. First to three is our champion. Okay. And, and this will be a running thing all year. So, all right, are you guys ready? As ready as I'll ever be. All right. So I will refer to this the drivers like I am the driver. So I won the race. The, I won the Daytona 500 in 2011. Uh, 2011. And if you don't know, you can just say pass or whatever. Your first clue, Chris. So this is 2011. I started the race 32nd. I started the race 32nd. Oh, this is one of those. Uh, pass. Pass. Okay. I won the Daytona 500 in 2011. I started 32nd. And this was my only win of the 2011 season. Oh, my gosh. What's that kid's name? Oh. Oh. Okay. Amos is on to the scent here. Pass. All right. I'm the 2011 winner, and in the final standings that year, I finished 53rd overall. Ooh, that might not be who I was thinking. I want to say Trevor Bain, but I'm not sure. Ding, 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 ding. Did Trevor Bain. Did I get it right? Did he finish that low on the season? Trevor Bain. Uh, he didn't race the majority of the season. His career was cut short due to health conditions. Trevor Bain in the Woods Brothers Racing number 21 Ford. In 2011. Note to self, keep your thoughts to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, when they got that. You tipped well, it to him, yeah. man. But here's the other thing about that, too. Jeff Gordon was drafting with Trevor Bain, and Trevor Bain didn't get the memo from Jeff Gordon that he was supposed to pull over and let him win. <laughs> it was a great race. I remember this one. All right, guys. We are going old school with this one. We are going back to 1959. 1959. 
I think this was one of the first. That's the first race. I think this was either the first or one of the first Daytona 500s to ever uh, take place in the early starts of NASCAR. Um, this is a name you guys will know, though. So I, I did try and go through and pull names that you guys would be familiar with. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Amos, you are down 1-0, and you get to go first on this one. I won this race in 1959. I started 15th. Pass. Lee Petty. <laughs> Lee Petty. That's the right answer. All right. So our historian over here is up 2-0 on you, Amos. How does it feel? I really wasn't giving myself much of a chance on the second one, and I basically give him the first one. So yeah, you my mind is 1-1. Yeah, oh, you, okay. you tipped him. <laughs> Give it tame. It's no, no, no. Yeah, All right. I can Chris. The name. Chris, it is Lee Petty, raced for Petty Enterprises in the number 42 Oldsmobile. Well, my let car me was, tell you a bit of uh, history about this. Oh, okay. It was a photo finish between oh, really? three cars. Uh-huh. Initially, he was not declared the winner, and it was like three days later that they actually announced that he really? won the race. Wow. Yes. Uh, he also won the driver's championship in 1959. So, cool. Would you have gotten that clue? No. Okay. 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 All right. We're two zero. Chris is looking good to be the champion in this first round of games, but we still have three. Amos, you can make the comeback here. I still got a chance. Okay. We are still kind of old school in this one, however. Uh, so we're going to 1967. 1967. I was a Daytona 500 in 1967. I started the race 12th. Mario Andretti. Oh, my gosh. Ding, 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 ding. Chris is the champion. Mario Andretti in 1967 won in the Holman Moody, number 11 Ford. He's considered one of the greatest American drivers of all time. Chris, how did you know that? Good guess. Is that Lucky what you're saying? Guess. No, no. Lucky no, guess? I, I didn't know that winner. All right. I thought it was 68, but hey. You were close. You were close. All right. Uh, how's it feel to be the champion? Uh, I'm sure Amos will, re- will redeem himself on mm-hmm, the next game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> next week, uh, we got the road course. But, you know, just to keep going for fun so you guys can get a gist of the game, we got two more drivers. So, Amos, you can recover some points here. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll keep a running total of the whole year to see where we come out on. Uh, All right. <laughs> Amos, you uh, no, you're not first. Sorry. Chris, you're first. We're going to 2016. I was a Daytona champion in 2016. I started the race 11th. Kurt Busch. Wrong. All right. It's not Kurt Busch. I won this race in 2016. Uh, it was one of my three wins this season in 2016. It is to Amos. I'm going to have to pass. All right. Uh, Chris, back to you. You can pick up four points here. I won this race in 2016, Daytona 500 in 2016. This was one of my three wins this season, and I was the first Toyota to win the Daytona 500. Oh, first Toyota to win the Daytona 500. Uh, boy, would that be Denny Hamlin? Ding, 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 Denny Hamlin, champion in 2016. So you said Toyota, that's who I thought of. He was the winner in 2016, raced the Joe Gibbs number 11 Toyota. All right, Amos, you're down 4 nothing. It's it's looking to be a route in this first game. I mean, it's not looking good for you. Uh, That's okay. You do get the first pick here, though, and next week you'll go first. So 
Keep that in mind. <laughs> the challenger always gets first crack. Can, can I defer my... Let Amos go first this time. I know he is going first. Oh, okay. I'll ca- I missed that part. The championship's oh, going oh, to his head over man. here. I don't know if he's going to be able to sleep at night. He's not even going to be... He's going to have to sleep sitting up. He can't lay his head down. <laughs> All right. A uh, little more recent in this one. We're going to 1992. I was the Daytona 500 champion in 1992. Your first clue, I started the race at sixth. Jeff Gordon. <laughs> this, I think that's before Jeff Gordon, isn't it? 92? I'm just no. guessing. Hey, he's going for the points. No, wrong. Sorry. Uh, Chris, winner in 1992, started sixth. I had five wins this season. Uh, Sterling Marlin. Ooh, close, but no. All right. I finished. Actually, I don't know how close that is. Actually, okay, I'm like, <laughs> close. What's that mean? I finished third in the final standings this season in 1992. So it's a it's a Ooh. name driver. It's a guy that was in the race this year, had five wins, and one of them being the Daytona 500 92. Terry Labonte. No, Ooh. I think I think you're onto something though. I feel like you're onto something maybe. I I'll have to get back on you. Maybe you're not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Chris, back to you. Uh, winner in 1992, finished third in the final standings. I drove a Ford. Oh. Oh. Drove a Ford. Hmm. Uh-huh. This is a tough one for you guys, I guess, huh? 92. Boy, that's going back. You knew 68 just like that. 92? Yeah, oh, well, you on. know, it's, it's, it's the middle point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember much from 1990 on, you know? Uh, <laughs> boy, I don't know. <laughs> I know who I want to say, but that it priest—he's not been racing that long. Well, go for it. No, I'm not gonna. An I'm answer gonna, is still an answer. I'm not gonna embarrass myself. Um. Well, Amos over here said. Oh, I, okay. I got it. I know who it is. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, Del Jarrett. No. Oh. Starts was, with starts with a D. His name starts with a D. I was way off. D A actually too. All right. Uh, Davy Allison. Davy Allison. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Davy yep. Allison in the Robert Yates Racing number 28 Ford, won it in 1992. All right. Amos, you salvaged a point at the very Woo, end. Ooh, yeah. Four to one on the day. All right. Chris, you take our first ever Guess the Driver Championship. That's a terrible name. We're not going to call it that. <laughs> um, how's it feel? About uh, like I did before we started. All right. Well, a four-one though. That's that's pretty good. That's, that's what he good. says. But you also see the sides. The, the of his thing head, of it is, like, is there's no way in the world that Amos would have known that 1959 one. Yeah, but you I'm knew sure it. I'm sure I've it. heard it somewhere. In I bet if I would have gave you more clues, he, he might have been onto it. So. All right, guys. So you get the general gist of the game, huh? Nice. Yeah. Uh, all right. Study. So next. He'll do week, some study. So the next you, week's races going to be very limited because we don't have a lot of road course races uh, so next week's Daytona. race i'm going to come up with just some random trivia questions from nascar history and there'll be a few tracks where we'll have to do this um be be thinking about the when we go to the circuits of america we'll be going to f1 history some stuff like that yeah. well the thing of it is amos did you even know that the petties raced oldsmobiles back then I knew the Petty's race, but I didn't know it was Oldsmobiles. Yeah. Oldsmobiles, well, man. I guess Oldsmobile, I knew Oldsmobile raced back then, but I didn't know it was. Yeah. they. I mean, that's something, because they were always synonymous with Plymouth, mm-hmm. the Petty's were. 
But they actually started out racing Oldsmobiles. Very interesting. All right, listeners, so if you guys want to get involved in the game, uh, email us in. Let us know what years you guys want to have uh, Chris and Amos guess over here, see if you guys can get involved in the game and uh, try and either fool or help your your favorite here. I, you know, maybe you're picking sides. Maybe you want Amos to, to get a win under his belt next year. Uh, next week, sorry. Next year. Yeah, it might be a whole year. You <laughs> never know. Well, it very I, well could be. I sure screwed that up on that Del Jarrett thing, but you're right. They, I mean, obviously you're You right. almost had the sweep. You almost had the sweep. Yeah. All right, guys. So that's our game. Uh, I'll have a name for it next 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 week, I hope. Oh, and, and uh-huh. Thursday for the duels. Yeah. 7 p.m., which is 5 o'clock our time. Uh-huh. 7 p.m. Eastern time, 5 o'clock our time. And then the Daytona 500 is Sunday afternoon, and I forget what time it is. Uh, it's on just around. It's around noon. Is I mean, probably around noon our time. Yeah, yeah like one or so our time. Uh, so maybe three on the East Coast or something like that. Anyways, uh, duels are on FS1. 500 is on Fox. Just to remind you guys, Chris went with his winner Kyle Larson. Amos, you got Eric Amarola, and I got Truex Jr. I think we got a real assortment of potential champions. Real broad range there. Yeah. I mean, we got a Ford, yeah. we got a Chevy, we got Toyota, we got, we got all the Spectrums covered here, yeah. so I feel like hopefully we can get one, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Well, we'll probably, yeah. well, they'll probably all be in the big one, so. And watch a Penske driver come out and win it now. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Austin uh, <laughs> <laughs> Like, great. there's no way he's going to win. Uh, I don't even know if he's going to get into the race yeah. to begin with. All right, guys, uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here about anything? NASCAR related, I guess, you know. I don't I don't care about any personal life stuff, so. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, all right. No, I, hey, I'm super excited for this weekend. If you're going to watch your first race, let it be the Daytona 500. It'll spoil you for the rest of the year. Yeah. If it's the only race you watch, it's a good one to, to partake. Yeah. yeah, I would echo all that. All right, cool, guys. Uh, so that's all we got for this week. Be tuning in next week. We'll break down what happened in the Daytona 500, and we'll talk about the road course that's brand new to the circuit, kind of, yeah. uh, coming up next week. So tune in for all that on next well, week's episode. Today's race was in. Any preview of what's going on. It's just uh, going to get crazier because there's twice wait. that number of cars. Can't wait. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a good rest of your day. Peace out. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Electric Sports Talk. Join us in future episodes as we discuss all things U.S. soccer, collegiate sports, mixed martial arts, motorsports, the NFL, MLB, and the Olympics. If you enjoy our content, follow us on Instagram and Twitter or shoot us an email to electricsportstalk at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe. Thanks for listening.